This is an ABC podcast. Every month we ride a hormonal roller coaster. I would lie in bed and I just that moment I'd just wake up and I could just feel this whoosh sort of over my skin and it was almost like my um, my skin was getting itchy or tingling and you could feel the blood boiling underneath the skin. There are sharp turns, sudden dips and moments when you just want to scream. But often it's like we're on this ride totally blindfolded. I think the biggest thing that women don't know about their reproductive hormones is that these hormones that govern reproduction are also really involved in the brain in determining mental state or mental health. So the same hormones, oestrogen and progesterone, that are in charge of ovulation and having babies are also in charge of whether you're depressed, anxious, angry, foggy-brained as well. That's Jayshree Kulkarni. She's a psychiatrist and I don't know about you, but for me what she's just said is huge. Our hormones aren't just about reproduction and menstruation. They influence our brains, how we react to things, our relationships, everything. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about the secret life of hormones. Hello, testing, testing. Okay, hello everybody. This is Lex. She's 32, she works in publishing and lives in Sydney. I'm going to be tracking my cycle in the name of womanhood and science and all things period related. This could be a bit funny. I don't really know exactly what to say. So yeah, I guess we'll go on a journey together. Lex doesn't know heaps about her menstrual cycle, but we've roped her into this episode because she's keen to get to know about her period and how hormones impact her. So in this episode, we're stowaways on Lex's hormonal roller coaster. We've asked her to track her moods, her sleep, and even analyse her discharge. So at the moment, I'm apparently on day nine of my cycle. So I'm I'm about four days after having my period. And I feel good. I feel pretty motivated at the moment. And I've got quite a bit of energy and I'm sleeping well. And I feel kind of strong in my body. Hormones affect us all in different ways. Some of us have huge emotional fluctuations throughout the month and others just aren't as sensitive. Professor Jayshree Kulkarni is a psychiatrist. She's the director of the Monash Alfred Psychiatry Research Centre, which does a lot of work on hormones, our reproductive systems and women's mental health. Gosh, where do we start? Um, she says we have a real gap in our knowledge when it comes to our reproductive hormones. The secret life of the gonadal hormones is that there's a whole lot of impact on the brain and the hormones that we know most about, oestrogens and progesterones are the main female hormones, really both are very potent 
brain hormones. And that's the bit that's not very well understood because everybody thought the action was kind of from the waist down. And so that's what I've spent a lot of my career working on is the impact of the fluctuations in the hormones across the cycle, the menstrual cycle, and also in the big change, which is in menopause and also in pregnancy and postnatal. Can we just push out of the way gonadal because that's kind of funny. Like I, I want to giggle when I okay. hear. Okay, so we've got gonads. Yes, We've all got gonads and they're the ovaries in women. In men, it would be the testes. And they're basically where the reproductive material is predominantly stored, made, et cetera, et cetera. So that's mm. what, you know, that's what your gonads are all about. And they're all about, <laughs> they are all about reproduction. And it's making me laugh too because um, <laughs> it is a cute word, really. It's such a cute word. So I can't believe all this time I've had gonads and I haven't even known. <laughs> Carefully setting our gonads aside, let's strap ourselves in. There might be a few bumps. A standard textbook menstrual cycle takes 28 days. But of course, in reality, there's a lot of variation. So in the front half of the cycle, you've got the body gearing up for um, the release of an egg from the ovary. So it's got to make that and it's got to allow for the release. And so you've got higher levels of estrogen and so on. So then you've got ovulation. And then in the back half of the cycle, the estrogen levels are starting to fall down. And then there's the period or the bleed for, you know, around about three to five days. There are two hormones steering this roller coaster. If you want to break it down, generally estrogen is your bestie. Progesterone, on the other hand, is a frenemy at best. Estrogen helps prepare the uterus for pregnancy and it aids in your egg production. It can also make you feel fantastic. So estrogen is bluntly the good hormone. It's really protective and it's called the neuroprotective or brain protective hormone for a reason because when estrogen levels are high and stable, people feel good and they feel happy and they, the mood is, is, is good and concentration, uh, memory, those sorts of things are good. So you can see what I'm saying. It's basically um, the hormone that we love. It's, it's a great hormone. Progesterone is the other common female hormone that we know about. Bluntly, it's not so good. So it's the one that can cause depression in um, different dosing in the brain or different impact in the brain. And it can also be useful in helping anxiety. So it's got a sort of double-edged sword here. We've got some of the depression that progesterone can bring about, but it can also be helpful with anxiety. And it all depends on the dose or the quantity of progesterone that's around in the in the female brain. So it's not as clear-cut as oestrogen, but generally when we speak about the two hormones, we kind of go oestrogen, good, progesterone, bad for mood. So if we think about this roller coaster that we're on, in the first bit, which is known as the follicular phase, oestrogen is going up, 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 and so are we. You're on top of the world. You can see everything so clearly. Nothing's going to get you down. And then, to cap it off, we ovulate. Hello, period watchers. This is Lex again. 
I'm 15 days into my quest. I, yeah, I just wanted to say that I had a really great day today and I just had one of those days where you just feel really motivated and had a really important work meeting and just everything came together. Um, sure enough, when I went to look at where I am in my cycle, it says that right around now is is the point where you should be feeling um, particularly perky and extroverted. I'm not sure they use the word perky. But um, yeah, I think this is something that I would like to pay attention to from now on because I don't think I'd realised until now how my extroversion had been potentially linked into the different parts of my cycle. So maybe you should always have all my important meetings at this point. Okay, bye. Jayshree says feeling strong and capable during ovulation, which, remember, happens two weeks before you get your period, is common. Women have described feeling particularly good around ovulation and, in fact, some people have said they have mood really uh, improving and being really great, feeling really great, but also having an increased sexual drive as well. So, the, you know, they really do get uh, a much more libido uh, rise, you know, generally around ovulation as mm. well. So you can see how that's not a bad design if you want to have children that you feel like having more sex at that point in the cycle. It's kind of kind of works. I've heard that women also dress more um, provocatively, I guess, <laughs> sexy, look sexier during that time as well. Well, it'd kind of fit. I mean, you know, if you, if you, if you have the unconscious sort of uh, increase in libido, then you, you might be seeking more sexual activity. So you want to make yourself look pretty good, et cetera, et cetera. Around ovulation, women can also secrete a clear, watery discharge that kind of resembles a raw egg white. Good morning, everyone. Um, It's time for a bit of a more bodily update. I've been trying to figure out a better way to say this, but basically I have noticed that at this point in my cycle there is quite a bit more discharge involved. I guess it's just that moment when you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, God, have I got my period? And then you realise that you're ages away from your period and then you breathe that sigh of relief. But then you also think, what is going on with my body? Anyway, that's where I'm at today. Roller coasters have their high point and what goes up must come down. Following ovulation, women head into the luteal phase of their cycles. This latter part of the cycle is when things generally start to turn. And by turn, I mean they head into that time of the month that most of us know as PMS or premenstrual syndrome. In this phase, our estrogen levels decline rapidly. And while they do increase again later before we have our period, our progesterone levels are building thick and fast. And remember, Jayshree, the psychiatrist, says that is the hormone which can be associated with depression. So in this part of the phase, if there hasn't been a pregnancy, then everything's starting to gear down if you want to think about it basically. So the egg hasn't been fertilised, it's not implanting, so now it becomes something that needs to be gotten rid of and that's actually what's going on in the period is you're shedding the lining of the uterus, some of the the lining of the uterus and so on. So everything's starting to gear down. So that's where we're seeing estrogen levels dropping, not just in a nice 
you know, smooth way, but in fluctuating ways. So it's like a sawtooth pattern that, of oestrogen declining. Oh, is it? And so it's sort of up and down, up and down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So nothing in endocrinology is straightforward. It's never like just here and then there. There's all kinds of, you know, curves of so like a sawtooth going up and down, up and down, and then then but gradually heading downwards and so on. So this is what oestrogen's doing. It's gradually going downwards. The way our brain chemicals react to our body hormones means that for some of us, the gradient of this roller coaster is quite flat. It's more like a carousel. The monthly cycle rolls around without much drama, without huge emotional mood swings. For others, it is a manageable roller coaster, a ride they can handle. But for at least 5% of us, the way our bodies react to the hormones means this roller coaster. It's one of those ones that turns you upside down. It jolts you sideways and it makes you want to scream. The day-to-day struggle was enormous. The ability to hold down full-time employment was there as well, not just from an emotional point of view, but from a, a physical standpoint as well. So the physical aspects were quite extreme. Most of us have probably experienced PMS and there are 150 different ways it can show up in your body. I'm not making that up. 150 different symptoms from mild cramping to teariness to the really powerful urge to massively crack the shits with your partner, which let's be honest, sometimes they deserve. Just kidding. For women like Fiona, that urge is more like visceral rage. She has PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Well, days 1 to 14, you're perfectly fine, normal, lovely. And then day 14, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde sort of thing. As soon as ovulation starts, as soon as there's that big hormone shift, then from day 14 to 28, I felt like I was a different person. It was it was a different side to me. Um, I was non-functional a lot of days, couldn't get out of bed. Or when I did, I was really manic, very hyper, um, huge amounts of energy, but huge amounts of rage as well. Yeah, just a nightmare to be around for friends and family, unfortunately. And could you, after a while, could you see it coming? Could you forecast that switch, that Dr Jekyll, Mr Hyde switch? You can, but once you're in it, you don't know it's that. It's so powerful and it's so encouraging encompassing and, and, and all consuming, it's, it was really quite strange. Logically, I would look at the calendar and it would be marked out and I could say, yes, this is happening. But my brain was going, no, it's not that. It's something else or it's this or it's your husband being an asshole. You know, those sorts of things. <laughs> Tell me about your husband. How did that, <laughs> how did it go for him? Uh, he's now my ex-husband. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> For many reasons, but um, look, it definitely didn't help and it was really, really challenging. PMDD is basically like PMS on steroids. In the week or two before your period starts, it can involve an extreme depression and anxiety, severe irritability and even suicidal thoughts. For people like Fiona, it can be paralysing and often really difficult to diagnose. It is a recognised illness now um, and awareness is growing of the illness, but this was only five years ago and there just really wasn't much at all. People had heard about it, but they thought it was purely a mental health disorder. So they would say, go see a counsellor, go see a psychologist, um, go on antidepressants, um, you know, diet, exercise, all of those things. And I'm a nutritionist. So I had really covered off a lot of those bases from any sort of holistic approach I could to no effect. So it was really, really hard to actually get someone that was willing to help me, really help me. Well, yeah, there's this perception that PMS isn't a real 
problem. Mm, yeah. Did you find that that experience but worse? Yes, definitely. All people would just go, oh, it's just PMS, you know, go for a walk, you know, go and calm down, go for a walk. And I, it was like my skin's <laughs> on fire, my blood is boiling and I'm seeing like just red. It's not, a walk's not going to settle that. Fiona, one day per month I hate my husband and it, it feels very real. And <laughs> yes. I, I often, even in that one day, I think, gosh, I didn't, I didn't hate him the other 27 days. Mm-hmm. Why do I hate him so violently now? When you're having those experiences of, the, of PMDD, how can you trust your emotions and trust your feelings and reactions? I think that's the, the most difficult thing about it is that you can't, you just don't. And I remember having a particularly bad argument with, with my husband and I went on to one of the PMDD Facebook groups and I remember writing on there going, oh, just had a huge fight with my husband. He just doesn't understand. He does this, 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 this and this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And he's blaming the PMDD for everything. And someone actually wrote back to me, but isn't he right? You know, where are you in your cycle? What brought this on? And it was quite confronting hearing that from someone who who didn't really know me and who wasn't, you know, in the room hearing the argument unfold. Okay, Fiona, we've heard about the problems that you've had with your PMDD, but you sound pretty good now. Tell us how you solved the problem. Drastically, um, I'm afraid. And it took a long time to get to this point. Uh, But I had a hysterectomy last year. So I had my uterus, my cervix, my ovaries, everything removed. Wow, that is radical. It was, particularly at 35. I was fortunate enough to have one child. Um, I had a very difficult pregnancy and I, I knew that I wouldn't be able to carry again just by going through the processes, etc. So they actually put me into surgical menopause for six months. They implant a little a blocker uh, inside your tummy. And I had that for six months to prove that the illness was in fact what we suspected. It was psycho-related psycho and hormone-related. And then I was great during that time. So then I went through a few rounds of extreme IVF to have that backup, I guess, if I ever did want to have another child. And these were all prerequisites for me to actually have the surgery. And then I went straight into surgery and went into um, medical menopause. So I had a 12 months of extreme, extreme hormone variations mm. and it was took a huge toll uh, physically and uh, emotionally as well. How do you ask for a radical hysterectomy? <laughs> My poor doctor and his poor receptionist. I think I called up so many days crying, just begging. But I said to him afterwards, and I've said to him since, I said, you saved my life. And I, I truly believe that. Wow. Yeah, I work full time now. I have my life back for the first time in six, seven years. Um, I'm, you know, a very happy single parent. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'm very, very, very fortunate. And I know a lot of people aren't as lucky as me. Fiona is at the extreme end of the hormonal sensitivity spectrum. Hysterectomies are rarely recommended in cases of PMDD, particularly in women so young. If you suffer from PMDD, seeing a hormone specialist like Dr Rosie Worsley might be part of the treatment. She's an endocrinologist. For some women, the pill can help, but it depends which pill you're using. So The reason that seems to help is that it stops ovulation and it basically gives you level hormones the whole time. So that works for some women. What tends to be more helpful for more women is low-dose antidepressants. And it's 
interesting that the um, antidepressants seem to work differently in PMDD to how they work in depression. So in PMDD, some women are actually able to use the antidepressants only for two weeks out of the month rather than all the time. Um, and they seem to respond much quicker to it as opposed to in depression. So classically in depression, you're told, well, it might take four to six weeks to work. In PMDD, in some of the studies, symptoms like irritability in one study actually started improving within about 14 hours. Cool. That's amazing. So it's incredible. Yeah. And most people, you've got to take it longer than that to get it really working. But we don't exactly know why. We think it's probably that the antidepressants are helping the brain respond better to the hormone change. Mm. Um, as opposed to what what might be happening in depression. One of the things that comes up with women who have PMDD or who are hormonally sensitive is knowing when to trust your emotions. It can be really hard to know if it's really you who's talking or if the hormones are taking over. And some of the symptoms are similar to PMS. They're just way more severe. It can really vary. For some women, it's things like breast tenderness, um, it might be bloating, it could be nausea. If you've got medical conditions, often you'll find those get a little bit worse in that time frame. And for other women, it's uh, symptoms like feeling really irritable, getting cravings, usually for carbohydrate-rich fatty foods or chocolate, <laughs> and feeling tired. So fatigue's actually one of the most common symptoms. What about hating your partner? Yeah, definitely. definitely. But that's their fault, so that's a different thing. <laughs> And is that all to do with hormones? Uh, Look, I think, well, the thing is if you've got a very annoying partner, you are (laughs) going to be annoyed. It's just that maybe your tolerance for it is somewhat reduced at that time. (laughs) But stuff like bloating, that's all, you can just blame your hormones for that? You've, you've always got to be careful because there's there's sort of two phenomena that go on. You can have symptoms completely related to your hormones um, and they're generally completely just defined to that period and they always get better when you get your period. Mm. But you can also have symptoms due to other illnesses that then get worse. Hello, it's me again, uh, checking in on day 23 of my cycle I woke up this morning feeling a bit kind of blur and one of those mornings where instead of rolling over and snoozing, I decide I'm going to have a better day if I actually get up and do some exercise. So I rolled myself out of bed and went downstairs, did a bunch of exercise, felt good almost as soon as it was over, got cramps and ta-da, my period. So I guess that's the end of this particular cycle. I just listened back to yesterday's um, audio journal and I sound so flat, which I guess is kind of what happens on the first day of your period. But anyway, I'm one day later and I thought I'd check in again just to say that I'm feeling heaps better today but that I'd had a couple of observations that I've been thinking through, which is that three days ago, so just before I actually got my period, I did have a really strangely introverted day and I'm not really usually an introvert But we had been spending a fair bit of time with friends and, yeah, I just found myself retreating and when I could have been part of the conversations, which I usually love, ended up sitting off to the side with a book and just the thought of interacting with people just seemed a bit too hard and, yeah, just something interesting that I'm going to track over the next um, month as well and see if that's true. All right, more soon. Bye. Getting your period can be the start of cramps, introversion and, ah, 
Did I mention the bit about blood coming out of your vagina? But like Lex was saying, it also makes you feel better. Jayshree Kilkarni, the psychiatrist, says that for some women, getting your period can feel like a huge release. What's really interesting is many women say they feel really awful leading up to having a period and then then the first day of the period's really ugly and there's often pain, um, back pain, lower back pain, abdominal pain, going down the front of the legs. Um, it could be associated with headache, etc. But then the mood state kind of starts to improve um, after day one of the period, so day two onwards with the period there's an improvement. And sometimes women do describe it by clicking their fingers and going, you know, oh, I just suddenly everything lifted, you know, the horrible mood lifted and I could see the world, you know, perfectly clearly again. And I don't know what I'd been thinking for the last, you know, week or the last three or four days. And so sometimes people actually look forward to the period because they sort of want that lifting of the mood. Um, It's not always as obvious as that for, for some women. But certainly that pattern of change in, in mood is, is, is often significant. Jayshree, this is so interesting because I think a lot of women feel like it's in their head or they've been given permission to be a bit of a bitchy winger during their period and so they, they'll take that. Can I just say, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say on the ABC, but this is complete crap. Good. It really is. Okay, yes. Um, this concept that somehow the brain is or, you know, our emotions and our thinking is completely separate to our body is a ridiculous concept. It's all so connected. And I've found that so many women are very, very cluey and tuned in to their bodies. And when they say, look, every month or every cycle, I notice that I feel really blare and I feel really bad and I'm really angry and I feel hostile and I just don't have a perspective on stuff. But it goes away. It's sort of like someone throws a switch and turns on this awful, angry, depressed feeling, but then it also goes fairly Mm. quickly. And when you get that rapid switch, like somebody's just turned something on and turned something off, it really makes you think, well, hang on, wait a minute, that's not how um, a response to a awful workplace scenario or, or a difficult marriage or whatever it is, that's not how people respond. They, they respond, you know, gro- gradually and consistently mm. and constantly. It doesn't sort of go on and off like this. But we look for that pattern of sudden onset of change in thinking, change in behaviour, change in mood and sudden offset as well. And it's really awful that so many women have been told they're inadequate, they're pathetic, um, it's all in their heads or it's Mm. an excuse for bad behaviour. I mean, it's really awful because there's so much suffering about this and even knowing that this is going on and it's got a biological basis to it, I think is sometimes really comforting for people to understand that. It's not an excuse for bad behaviour, but it is about being knowledgeable and we need to talk about this. Now, if you're on the pill, obviously it's a different story. The contraceptive pill does have an impact on your emotions. Research has shown this and Professor Kulkarni agrees different pills can affect your moods in radically different ways. And it also varies from person to person. And, of course, if you're going through perimenopause or menopause, your hormonal profile changes quite dramatically. 
And by the way, if you are someone experiencing perimenopause, we have an episode coming up that'll speak directly to you, promise. But this episode has been a game changer for me. I've learned something. I learned that my partner does not turn into a massive dickhead once a month. It's PMS, which is real. I knew that, but it's scientifically documented and it can have a significant impact on your life. I didn't know before this that PMDD exists. And for the purposes of this episode, I got a period tracking app on my phone and I actually had no idea. For instance, last month, my cycle was 35 days long. Why have I waited my whole life to actually track what is going on? I don't know, like seriously, maybe I'm an outlier and maybe you are heaps more on top of this than I am. But I really think being more in tune with our cycle length and our hormonal fluctuations is vital in understanding our bodies and our moods. Okay. (laughs) Lex says tracking her cycle has given her a really deep insight into herself. This is Lex here. This is my last audio diary. And I guess what's been um, surprising about tracking my last cycle is that there are positive points in my cycle as well. Um, As negative, I think I'd always been aware that I might feel tired or weepy leading up to my period, Um, but I hadn't thought about the fact that there is another swing to the cycle as well, which is that I have moments where I feel really outgoing and motivated and capable, and I could use that in my job and schedule big meetings around that time in the month. I think the other main learning would be that usually in my life I consider myself an extroverted person. And I've realised that just before my period, I actually have a few days where I feel quite introverted and maybe even socially anxious. And that instead of trying to force myself back to feeling outgoing, perhaps I could just be compassionate towards myself and uh, and allow myself a few more quiet days during that time. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) I do think it's surprising that you can get to 32 and never be told that there are different ways that your body reacts to different times in your cycle. If you know someone who needs to hear this podcast, grab their phone and show them how to subscribe. You can find Ladies We Need to Talk on a podcast app or on the ABC Listen app. And if you have feedback or thoughts on this episode, our number is 1300 641 or you can send an email to ladies at abc.net.au. Ladies is mixed by Isabella Tropiano with music production by Martin Peralta and Timothy Jenkins. It's produced by Cassandra Steep. Supervising producer is Madeline Jenner. Our digital producer is Olivia Willis. And our executive producer is Laura McAuliffe. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. The manager of Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon. <laughs> <laughs>